The evil that men do lands on. We gonna bang your head! You are now listening to the Music Mania podcast, a hard-hitting show featuring all things hard rock and heavy metal. And now here are your hosts, the twins of chaos, Clint Switzer and Paul Lagana. Paul, we are back in studio, back at it, back from our weekend of rocking at Rocklahoma in the Downstream Casino over the weekend. Man, it was a whirlwind of a trip. We are back in here. There was questions as to whether our last show was going to be our last show, but it was not to be because we're back for the attack right here, man. Back and better than ever, Clint. But let me tell you something. Friday night, the Foreigner concert, going backstage, meeting those guys, and then what a show they put on, buddy. I, I love Foreigner. We've been champions of theirs for a long time, been championing this version of Foreigner. We got to go back, see our buddy Jeff Pilson, who we had on the show last month, got to check out Foreigner uh, from the Downstream Casino. What a great show it was. Great to go backstage, like you said. I love that band, and it was just a precursor to the rocking that went down. We, of course, went down to Rocklahoma, got to hang out in the cushy media tent with some of the other you know, rock media personalities like ourselves. Uh, I think we were the coolest ones there if you ask anyone around there but i would say so but it was a great experience getting to go to rock oklahoma um uh, got to see the scorpions a band we had never seen before and to see them in that environment in front of thirty thousand people it was special what a performance they put on i i've it was one of the top 10 shows i've probably ever seen to see them in front of that kind of a crowd and those songs just i mean it was it was relentless they were they were amazing they sounded great klaus mind still sounds wonderful at 68 what a Absol- show, man. Absolutely breathtaking, the Scorpions uh, were. Uh, it was unbelievable to me. Uh, 35 years that I waited to see that, and it, they did not disappoint in the least. Well, we have a huge show for you. Now that we're back from Rocklahoma, we're back to business. Here we have a huge show coming up. We want to thank you, everyone, for listening, downloading on iTunes or listening on YouTube, either format that you choose. If you're uh, on YouTube, definitely make sure that you uh, subscribe to the to the page and, and give us a give us a like. And if you're on iTunes, uh, do the same. Give us a star rating and subscribe to the podcast because we have one new every Friday. Uh, we try to keep things in line. We try to keep things on time. We try to do things in a timely fashion and an organized fashion. Doesn't always work, but this time we're back at it. And I'll tell you what, Paul. We have a huge guest today. We're going to be talking with J.J. French uh, from Twisted Sister. Of course, they are embarking on their 40 and Fuck It tour. And yes, I can say that because that's the name of the tour. That's right. Well, yeah, it's going to be great to talk to J.J. French, man, a founding member of Twisted Sister. He, uh, you know, that band slugged it out in the clubs for close to 10 years before they found success. Their new documentary, We Are Twisted Fucking Sister, now available on Netflix and uh, streaming services. It is a great documentary, great look at uh, a band that fought for its success, got there, and Twisted Sister now saying goodbye um, a year following the death of their drummer, you know, A.J. Perel. We're going to ask J.J. about that. And all things music-related, he's a guy that he's in the, on the management side. He manages the band. He manages other bands he's very savvy when it comes to the world of rock and roll we're gonna ask him a lot of questions i can't wait to catch up with jj man twisted sister one of my favorite bands of all time they played at rocklahoma the first time i went too bad they weren't there this time but twisted sister on their final tour uh, 40 and fuck it if you will i guess we can say yeah. that at this point uh yeah we can actually uh jj french one of the hardest working guys ever um obviously he's been around since 1976 uh as you said twisted sister basically got into the mainstream with the stay hungry uh album back in 84 85 so that's when they came into the mainstream and and what an album that was you had uh uh we're not gonna take it i want to rock 
Captain right. Howdy, my favorite, uh, Burn in Hell. I mean, it was a it was an album that that, that put Twisted Sister over the edge, and, and just as quickly as they achieved success, Twisted Sister were gone from the mainstream. Uh, the next couple albums were disasters, and the band wanted to basically kill themselves at that point, and they went their separate ways, and they were done. Uh, you know, so the, the Twisted Sister has a very interesting story of the rise, the fall, and the resurrection. Because now we're in the resurrection period of Twisted Sister, as big as they've ever been, headlining festivals all over Europe this summer as they say goodbye once and for all. Of course, their drummer AJ Perro died uh, a year ago, and now now doing a proper farewell to the fans. She was one of the most high energy, one of the best live bands you'll ever see, and I think JJ French is going to back me up on that. And with that, we want to go ahead and welcome our guest. It is Mr. JJ French, guitarist and founding member of Twisted Sister. JJ, welcome to the show, man. How's everything going, my man? Uh, you know, it's not snowing in the Northeast, so I guess it's all good, my friend. Well, you could have uh, tornadic activity and uh, torrential downpours here in the Midwest. I guess you take it as it comes. It's springtime in America, which means it's uh, the summer's here, JJ, and you guys are about to embark um, on the on the next leg of the uh, 40 and Fuck It Tour, aptly titled, I might add. Was that, a, was that a JJ thing, or was that, I mean, that's that sounds like kind of a kind of a you thing. Did you come up with that? No, you know, I'll tell you what it was. We were thinking of what we would call it. And, uh, and you know, I'm sitting around thinking, okay, it's 40 and farewell. And then it's like New York 40 and forget about it. And my girlfriend said, you know, your fan club is called the Sick Motherfucking Friends of Twisted Sister. And you come up on stage, you call yourself Twisted Fucking Sister. So why are you being so damned, like, modest? Just say 40 and fuck it. That's exactly how you feel. And I went, you know what? She's right. So thank you, Sharon, for for uh, for giving me that idea. Aptly named too, JJ. <laughs> yeah, absolutely for a band that. You know, you know, I think forty or fucking means a lot to a lot of people on a lot of different levels too, right? It, it, it does. It does, and for the band, uh, it's unbelievable that that uh, forty years uh, for this band, JJ, a band that's uh, you know <laughs> that's been your home for all this time, and and you're a fan, founding member of Twisted Sister, and of course you guys are going to call it quits. Um, October first in Lakewood, New Jersey. Uh, why that? Why that uh, town? Why that well, venue? Actually, you know what? That's no, no. Actually, that, that date is the last area date. I don't know what the last date's going to be. Uh, it could be the last date, but right now it's just the last. Uh, it's the only area date. So there was like a misprint on that. That's well, what that is. Well, you know, and I know you guys didn't want. And Dee Snyder's talked about it. So you guys didn't want to do some prolonged, uh, you know, farewell tour two years like Motley Crue just did. I mean, that's obviously not what you guys are trying to do here. Well, we really just don't do that. I mean, Twisted Sister plays 15 shows a year, you know, and that's that's how we were going to do it anyway. So um, it, it doesn't, it was never part of our, uh, it, it was never part of a plan to do something like that. It's just that, you know, since we've been back together, we have just done, um, you know, 15 to 20 shows a year. That's it. And that's all we plan to do this year. In fact, we weren't even going to do it this year. Last year was going to be the last year, and uh, then AJ passed away, and we decided to make it more official. Um, but last year was going to be the last year. We were just going to just play the dates and just never play again. But we decided to officially say that it's over this time. Well, glad that's happening. And, uh, of course, Mike Portnoy filling in on drums for AJ Perro, who passed away a year ago uh, this past March. And, uh, obviously, it's you know, important uh, for his legacy for you guys, to, I think, to finish this right. Now, you know, I want to talk about your legacy in general because in 2003 you guys uh, reunited. And uh, you've been playing to enormous crowds, the huge festivals. Like you said, you only do you know select dates a year. But how important have these past 13 years been for the legacy of this band? Because things did not end well for you guys in the late 80s, but now you guys are able to go out and say, hey, this is, uh, you know, this is d doing it the right way, I think. Well, we accomplished things that um, needed to be accomplished. 
in order to, to in order to I don't know to, to to just kind of leave it correctly. I think when we disappeared the first time, um, had we not come back, the band wouldn't have been as seriously uh, considered as it is now. Now the band is a it's a whole different level. You know, the band kind of came back and came back in ways that are that were monstrously big, and we always knew that the capacity for it to be that big was there. Um, but you know, you needed to kind of prove it to yourself and. Um, I'm happy that the, that the fans went as crazy as it did and gave us this enormous success story. I mean, you know, when I think about all the American metal bands who didn't have the luxury of having a European fan base, but we did, and uh, to see the European fan base be as loyal as they are, which is a mind fuck actually to see that, uh, it's I feel blessed that way because so many of the of the American metal bands just never understood the crowds outside the U.S. In fact, most bands don't. The crowds outside the U.S. are really extraordinary, and it gives us a worldwide fan base. I'm very, very proud. And 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 between the European, the Canadian, the Mexican, the South American fan bases, um, it's amazing. And they kind of look at bands more religiously than here. I think here, it's kind of an afterthought. Like, what are you doing Friday? Hey, I'm gonna go see Twisted Sister. But there, it's a social event. A mammoth sure. social event. It's just pretty extraordinary. Well, you know, in, in, luckily, hopefully, in, in these past 13 years, there's been uh, overseas no, you know, human feces hurled on stage at, at the band as it was in 1982. That's still one of my favorite stories. But I'll tell you what, JJ, I mean, um, you know, you guys have been, you and, and D. Snyder both have kind of been outspoken. We're in an area of bands now where bands are becoming, quote unquote, brands. Uh, they're more so than identifiable, identifiable, you know, uh, band members. I mean, you guys talk about, uh, guy, you know, Kiss and how, how they conduct business. Now you have Axl Rose playing with ACDC. I mean, what are your thoughts on that and just kind of the whole idea of bands continuing on beyond their uh, actual members playing in it, which is unbelievable to me, but... Well, you know, I, I think I think you have to look at this in a number of ways. Number one, does it really matter what I think? I mean, if a fan is going to buy a ticket and they're happy, then the fact that J.J. French thinks it's not authentic... It's kind of disingenuous. I mean, if you're going to buy it, then buy it. I mean, Foreigner's out there touring, and there's not a single original member of Foreigner. So in, this, in essence, when people start replacing so many people, it becomes a cover band. But you know what? If people want that, then well, really, who am I to say no? You know, I've got more of a problem with just the fact that a lot of bands aren't really good anymore. But then again, you know, again, if you're willing to pay for it, what does it matter if J.J. French says, I think that they're terrible or something, or they're not playing up to par, or we blow them off the stage or whatever. I mean, what is the point of saying it? We go out, we have a legacy to protect. We have a legacy to defend. We have a reputation about being the best live act in the world, and we take it seriously. And uh, if bands don't care, that's their business with their fans. And they want to charge, you know, the Rolling Stones charge $700 a ticket to see probably the worst rock band currently touring. I mean, the Stones are maybe the worst band I've seen in 20 years. And they're terrible. But, you know, they're the last living connection to the Beatles. So I guess people are willing to pay and put up with watching them decompose in front of your eyes, I guess. You know, I, I mean, the Stones fans are so old, they don't clap because they're afraid the lights will go on in the arena. So I... <laughs> And you would so, actually know about the Stones because... You know, uh, I mean, watching 
Keith and Ronnie try to play guitars like being driven in a tour bus by Jose Feliciano and Ray Charles without a GPS. It's one of the scariest things you've ever seen, but people pay. So really, who am I to, who am I to judge? Knock yourself out if you enjoy it. All I know is our fans love us. They come see us. We give them their money's worth and more. There's no doubt about that. And also, you would know better than anybody because I read somewhere where you're actually a big Stones fan uh, when you were actually starting out back in, back in the 60s. Well, of course. I mean, the Stones are one of the greatest live bands in the world, and so is Zeppelin. But these bands kind of deteriorated severely over time. And it's something that Twisted Sisters are very conscious about. You know, we don't deteriorate. Uh, we get better. Certain bands do. Priest has been very conscientious about being great. You know, and ACDC has been conscientious about being great. It's, a, it's an important thing to do because it's your core product. No one buys records anymore. No one buys new music anymore. So that's a waste of time. So your core product is, is you. And if, you're not, if you are not great, then you don't have a great core product. I'd like to think that the product that we sell, Twisted Sister Live, is every bit as good as you remember it, if not better, so that when you tell your friends, man, you missed this really fucking great show, dude, you gotta go see it. They come out and they go, holy Christ, I never realized it. And then people say that. They never did. So the movie kind of legitimizes us, and, and, uh, and it allows a platform for us to proclaim you know, that we enjoy this position, and we get the best reviews of every band at every festival all the time, and we, we, uh, we covet that. We love it, and we owe it to our fans to be great. It's a great experience. Listen, when I used to see the Stones as a kid and I would dream about being a rock star, I would want to give that same feeling to somebody else. So to me, the greatest legacy we have is that when you come see our band, you escape for those two hours and you just go, wow, man, I'm just, you know, I want to be swept away by this. That's what the best bands have done for me, and that's what I hope we do for our fans. I think a lot of the casual fans that uh, only know Twisted Sister by some of the hits are absolutely blown away when they see the band live. And it's, uh, I've been championing uh, the band Twisted Sister my whole life. And I want to get into the documentary. You mentioned the film. The documentary is We Are Twisted Fucking Sister, aptly titled once again. Here we go. And uh, it's now available on Netflix, which is great because everyone can check that out. Uh, that gets it out to a much bigger audience and everyone is able to see that. I mean, it's a, I think it's just a fabulous look at a gritty band that slugged it out in the New York clubs. For 10 years, JJ, you guys did that. And, and you know, you kind of ended the film... Right before the success hit, I mean, that had to be, uh, I think that's kind of what's interesting about the film. You guys ended the film before you guys had to stay hungry and took off. I mean, was that purposeful? That's what makes the movie so good. It gives people an idea of the character um, and the grit and the determination that the band had to succeed. And it ends before we're not going to take it. It ends before I want to rock. It ends before the breakup. It ends before the resurgence and the reemergence of the band and the super success the band has had now coming back. You know, we didn't sell the records yet at the time that the, the movie exists. I mean, look, the legacy of the band now, 25 million records sold, 37 gold and platinum albums, uh, headlining 37 countries. I mean, it's a hell of a legacy for a little band from a bar on Long Island, right? It's a long way to go from there. Um, but that story, We Are Twisted Fucking Sister, tells a story that people don't understand. We weren't an 80s hair band. We were a 70s bar band, actually. That kind of lasted long enough and made it in the 80s. And that's a huge difference. I think you guys would agree. You know, we're not part of that whole Motley Rat uh, you know, L.A. Circus. And I'm not saying those bands aren't good, but, but we're not part of the Poison Warren sure. thing. We're this New York thing, which is wholly different. You know, we're tougher. We're, we're a different animal. If I think of the three bands that came out of New York, it would have been Kiss Us, and then, of course, down down near Philly, it was Cinderella. And we're, oh, yeah. and, uh, we're all tougher bands. We're more blues-based than those L.A. bands were um, in our own way. Um, but Twisted was just a tough-as-nails bar band that 
that, that figured out a way to make it in the 80s. And, um, and our character shows because here we are 40 some odd years later from the original version, you know, from the band starting out. And um, we're every bit as lethal now as we were. And that is because we learned our craft by playing, I don't know, like I think we were at 7,000 performances by the time the band stopped playing the bars. Think about that for a second, guys. Before the record deal, we were at about 7,000 performances. That's crazy. Unbelievable. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. So, JJ, talk a little bit about uh, Dee Snyder. I mean, to me, this guy has been the epitome of the one of the greatest frontmans ever. Uh, his energy on stage, everything about it. So just talk a little bit about him and uh, your your guys' relationship. Well, I introduce him on stage um, every night as saying, ladies and gentlemen, let me present to you the man that looks like Sarah Jessica Parker did the Nevada of Acid. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> I'm that's, how, that's how I introduce him. And it's endearing to him, I'm sure. I mean... <laughs> <laughs> oh, but I mean, that's how I introduce him. Um, I don't know if there's a better frontman out there. He's funnier than David Lee Roth. He sings better than ninety percent of them. He approaches his uh, job on stage professionally amongst the best I've ever seen. He, um, you know, he he does vocalizing for two hours before a show. Um, uh, he he takes his performance, every single performance, to heart. It matters to him. His legacy matters to him. Um, he never dials it in, never phones it in. He's a funny fucking guy. I mean, usually he says something on stage that has us all cracking up and crying almost because it's so funny at some point of the night. He doesn't do this the stick where like the singer says the same thing at the same point every night where you can almost time your your, your watch to the bullshit cliches that have been thrown around, you know, uh, by every front man in the world. He actually thinks of topical things to say because he wants to keep the audience engaged. He engages the audience in a way that I don't never saw another singer engage the audience. You know, all these things are part of why it works. He's very disciplined, and we get along because um, we're driven. Both of us are very driven that way. You know, I'm driven on the on the more business side of it. He's driven on more of the creative side of it. Uh, the band was never designed to starve to death. That was bullshit. It was always designed to make money. That's another big difference in us and most bands. Um, we just knew how to earn a living and do uh, what we did by making money and being successful. We always made a lot of money, and I, I make no apologies. Even in the bars, when we were you know we were playing five nights a week, we were making fucking boatloads of dough, and that financed the shows. We never had to borrow money and, and by the way D and both D and these parents and my parents stopped giving us money when we were 15 years old I mean I, we didn't know each other at that point we're, he's much younger than me but uh, we worked and uh, I took my last off from my parents when I was 15 I think D may have taken his last he was 16 so you work your ass off and that's what you do and Mendoza too and, and Eddie as well so everything we made we put back in the band we made a lot of money but we never starved it was never the thing we were really smart we got rid of people who were fucked up that was important. Druggies, alcoholics. I mean, I became so anti-drug and so anti-alcohol in this band because basically they have no business in rock and roll. Now that runs counter to what everyone's... To the cliche, is. yeah. Right. I mean, that's fine. You want to be Keith and, you know, you want to decompose in front of people. That's your business. That's not mm -hmm. our business. So uh, the, van, the band that made it, um, that people see in the documentary, that was 14 band members later. Okay. Sure. So we got rid of most of them from drug and alcohol abuse. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, and what you got yourself is a hard-working straight band that just goes out there and kicks ass, whose number one credo is you do it for your fans. You, 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 you perform at the highest level for them. And fuck this narcissistic self-absorption bullshit where you're going to get high and put on a terrible show and look at your shoes. That's not what Twisted Sister was about. It was What we were about was dress like women, talk like men, play like motherfuckers. And that was the motto of the band still still is. And luckily, Mike Portnoy picks up where AJ left off because he's a fucking motherfucker. <laughs> That's awesome because uh, I was going to ask you about that back in the 80s when, I mean, like you said, it was so rampant back then. And you are on record as saying, I mean, you guys didn't do anything like that. I mean, you were ever, straightforward. Ever, ever. Never been on stage high in my life. Ever. Dini, never. Mendoza, never. Ever. And if you ask me how do you avoid it, it's very simple. If you just don't do it, you don't do it. I'm not going to say to you that um, it wasn't offered. Yeah, but if you don't do it, you don't do it. I mean, you could, it just, it just never even entered my mind. It just really never even entered Dee's mind or Mark's mind. No, but ever, very rarely. You know, in the five years that we were touring the, the world with all the biggest bands in the world, I was offered drugs one time only. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. By the roadie of, of of Iron Maiden, who who didn't know that we were straight, and he made the mistake of offering us drugs. I almost fell through a fucking wall. But um, I wouldn't tolerate it. Fired crew members for it. I hate that shit. You know, it's got it's no there's no place for it in professional in professional business, and no place for it in, in rock. And uh, and so if you function with it, that's fine. But not with Twisted Sister, you don't. Uh, that's a true testament to the band and the reason why you still are still here and many uh, of your peers uh, sadly are not but that's brought on to themselves unfortunately gene simmons said uh controversially hey prince he may have killed himself with prescription drugs whatever that's not for us but what you know that's that's kind of that maybe he's right maybe that's these bands aren't here these people aren't here on their own volition but jj i want to get into this before we let you go is, is, is that we talk about the, the band gutting it out in the New York club scene uh, throughout the, the, the 70s and the early 80s, but is there a moment that you can remember that you finally took a deep breath and said, my God, we've made it. We finally have done this. I mean, you guys had uh, Under the Blade in 82, Can't Stop Rock and Roll had, uh, had MTV success, but was it not till Stay Hungry that you finally said, my God, yes, we're re- we've done it. Like, I mean, what point did you take a deep breath? You know, that's an interesting question. I was asked that again. I was asked that today in an interview about two hours ago. And the answer to that question, I never thought it. I never thought we reached success. Um, the, The week that Stay Hungry went platinum, my father died. So that took away from me any particular joy of that album. By the time I went double platinum three months later, um, you know, this was already 13 years in for me, and I was, I really thought about it. I mean, the day that my manager called me for for double platinum, I thought, you know what? If I add up how much money I've made, actual made in the last 13 years, it's 20 cents an hour, you know, maybe. (laughs) You know, that I kept, and I just thought to myself, fuck it, man, that's what it's about. I really, I I can't, look, I don't want to sound, how do I put this? I am grateful that I was able to make a living doing something that I told my mother I was going to do and had absolutely no idea what I was saying at the time. I dropped out of high school. She said to me, what are you going to do? I said, I'm going to become a rock star. Don't worry about it. I didn't know what the fuck I was saying, but I just wanted to shut her up. And I dropped out with two months to go as a political protest with the Kent State kids being killed because I'm old enough. You know, I'm old enough to be sure. old. I'm going to 64 in two months. So, um, I, I 
you know, when the band, you know, there was that big flush of success, and then there was a major lawsuit, millions of dollars sued, and we lost everything, and we and we crashed and burned, and I lost everything. Filed for bankruptcy, went through divorce, and literally um, had nothing um, by 1988. Zero. I had yeah. two, two guitars and a subway token to get me uptown. Mm. And um, and it didn't lose it because of, I knew exactly why. I mean, it wasn't like, you know, someone goes, hey, man, I don't know what happened. So rip me off. No, no, I know exactly what happened. There was lawsuits involved and shit fell apart. Um, the reflective period after that, the 12 years of, of uh, the divorce, the remarriage, having a kid, um, discovering Seven Dust, managing Seven yep. Dust, producing Seven Dust in Mendoza, having that be a huge hit, but working straight jobs, in stereo stores and pool halls, um, asking myself what happened exactly and how you know what's going to happen in the future. And that was an awfully crazy, reflective period in my life. So the last fourteen years of the band's enormously successful rebirth has been very pleasurable, but it's been um, tempered by a reality that. Uh, you just take every day as it comes. So that's what I do. I kind of take, you know, I plan for the future, yes. You know, I see things on a double track. I see things today and I see things 10 years from now. Um, and I can do that. I have a, I'm visionary in that respect. I can, I can do that. Uh, but I worry about today. So therefore, you know, once you have a kid, it changes your priorities and everything shifts around. Mm -hmm. I'm very blessed or grateful that the band was given a second shot a second chance to come back on a variety of levels and become as successful as it did when it didn't look like for a long time the band didn't talk and, 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 and happen. So you see, this is not like a simple answer to you. It wasn't like um, on uh, July 18, 1984, I said, man, this is great. Isn't this amazing? We were so caught up in the maelstrom of all of the whirlwind of the MTV era and in the middle of touring to ever understand and realize what was going on on a daily basis. So as it all crashed and burned, and then as it all reestablished itself, to sit back with a legacy and a time and the ability to reflect back is, is very, very important. This may be probably the most introspective response you've ever gotten from a rock musician. It is. Um, <laughs> which we love, by the way. I'm sorry? Which we love, by the way. Well, I want to, listen, I'm trying, I, it, it is important to be authentic. I'm trying, and I'm really, I'm not trying to be, I'm telling you, it's a stream of consciousness off of my top of my head. Mm. Um, I'm grateful that the band today matters more than it mattered back then. How's yeah. that? Okay? Yeah. That... It matters more to me that the band has more respect worldwide now than it's ever had. So maybe the answer to you is today, I can I like... sit back to tell you that I'm, that uh, I acknowledge the band, all that hard work has mattered. Well, that's that's great stuff, JJ. And I tell you what, guys, I want everybody to go to twistedsister.com to check out the dates. It starts uh, June 10th at Sweden Rock, and it only gets bigger from there. And, uh, you know, JJ, if anything else, I just hope that uh, somewhere along this 40 and fuck it tour, and I just, yes, I just wanted to say it like that. It just feels good to say. We hope we can catch up with you, man. Hope we can uh, can uh, can uh, say hello and, and introduce ourselves because he's been such an influence uh, on us. And um, just Twisted Sister, one of uh, our favorite bands of all time. It's just not close. And uh, hopefully we can get you somewhere in the United States somewhere down the line i know there's no official dates uh beyond october 1st but man hopefully we can make it happen because we just we appreciate uh, your candor and everything that you guys have done man we really do 
Well, you know, I, I do write a business column for Inc. Magazine. Do you guys read it? Have you ever read it? Uh, yes, I have. I have. So, Inc.com, not Inc. as in Inc. through tattoos. I-N-C, period, dot com. Inc.com, it's the, it's the uh, online magazine, business magazine for Inc. I write a monthly column. And uh, it, it's basically business lessons through the prism of rock and roll. So, read my column. I think you guys will find it fascinating. Just go online to Inc.com, put JJ French in there, get my columns and read them. Um, I'm on Twitter at, at JJ French, a, uh, that's J-Y-J-Y-F-R-E-N-C-H. Also, we have meet and greet packages this year for the, for the shows in Europe that we've never had before, so if you're inclined to go do that, we'll, we'll love to see you. And I want to thank you guys for having me on your show and showing support to the sister. It means an awful lot. Absolutely, JJ. We can't thank you enough for being on the show as well, buddy. Hey, thanks thank a lot. You, Good luck to the band, and we'll catch up, guys, soon. Thanks a lot, JJ. Thanks again to J.J. French from Twisted Sister. What a guy. Absolutely love that, uh, having him on. What a huge pleasure. I mean, he he does he tells it like it is, pulls no punches. And I, man, he left uh, left us in just in wanting more, really. And, and I hope you guys enjoyed that because it was a, you know, a privilege for us to have J.J. on and to talk about uh, his band. And, boy, and, 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 Paul, you always talk about Dee Snyder and what a fan uh, we both are of him, one, one of my favorite frontmen of all time. But you asked him, you know, during the interview just about his thoughts on, on Dee, and he just basically said he's the best frontman, best, one of the best rock singers of all time. That's and what he said. I did not disagree with him in the least, Clint, because Dee Snyder, to me, top five. I mean, just the charisma on stage is is And still at age 60 to have that. Yeah. That's what's unbelievable. Absolutely. I like the rest of the bands that, you know, that we interviewed as well. I mean, the charisma is undeniable. Uh, just huge Twisted Sister fan. I was lucky enough to see them in uh, Rocklahoma 07 live and to be able to attest to the fact that they are one of the great live bands of all time. Since 03, like JJ said, they've been touring kind of sporadically since then, but not extensively. Uh, they're a very in-demand band, but they do a lot of fly-ins on weekends, a lot of big festivals, but they don't they do not do a lot of the you know extensive touring, and which means they never wore themselves thin anywhere they went. They were always in demand, always a band you wanted to see. And um, it's going to be sad to say goodbye to Twisted Sister, as we're saying goodbye to so many bands that we love and care about. But guys, we want to thank you so much for, for joining us. Um, this this The journey to this point has been unbelievable for Paul and I. Man, I, I'm speaking for myself here, but it's been so wonderful to have you guys join us and uh, always know where to hit us up. On our Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, man, Music Mania Podcast, search us up. And guys, our website, everyone at check out an archive show we've done so many shows musicmaniapodcast.com has everything archived for you neat and clean I did it myself man in the wee hours of the night I sat there and archived every single show we've ever done I, I gotta say Clint I think you're pretty much the, one of the hardest working guys in showbiz <laughs> here but uh, anyway no we, as Clint said we absolutely can't thank everybody enough for joining us and uh, we will definitely see you all next time we are and we have a big guest coming up next week Steve Whiteman from Kicks is going to be our guest next week we've already had Brian Damage Forsyth from kicks and next week we're going to speak with steve whiteman the front man from one of the best bands to come out of the 80s themselves kicks it's going to be steve whiteman next week so hold on for that thanks so much for joining us make sure you hit us up give us positive marks positive feedback we always like to hear it thank you guys so much we will see you next time take care